You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host. Hello and welcome to the Georgia Liberty Cast. This is Ryan Graham, your host and also the chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Uh, as usual, we have our co-host, Laura Williams, the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia with us. Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for uh, downloading, giving us a shot, tuning back in, all of those wonderful things that you guys are doing out there. And let's go ahead and dive straight into it. Um, LP Georgia News, of course, help fund our ballot access lawsuit uh, right at the top of LPGeorgia.com. Go ahead and click Contribute, and we're trying to raise $20,000. We have probably about $12,500 at this point. Um, and we are also, um, considering another lawsuit right now, so you might be helping that too. And it has to do with ballot access as well. Uh, and we'll get into that in just a moment. But, um, did you have anything else with the ballot access lawsuit? Nope. We got people putting their necks out. We got people doing the hard work. We just need, uh, help covering <coughs> the costs of copying and filing the many, many, many papers that the Secretary of State and the courts require. Yeah, and as, as far as I know, um, nothing has been rescheduled. That May is basically when we're going to have our oral arguments that the judge has requested, and that hasn't that hasn't moved yet. So, okay, um, still looking forward to going out and having our day in court on that one. So, um, <clears throat> the next thing up is is to do with, of course, coronavirus, which I think most of this episode will have to do with. But, um, Which I lobbied against. Not a lot we can do about it. That's basically what's in the news. Um, our candidates are petitioning right now for um, to get on the ballot, but of course, with this uh, with this crisis on our hands, with with everybody staying home and practicing yeah. social distancing. The good news is, lots of people are at home. If we could go door to door and collect their signatures safely. But that is, in fact, a terrible idea uh, for know, exactly the reason that people are stuck at home. So I, there's some funny news on that because another person in the Libertarian Party of Georgia who travels from state to state, I think usually with Young Americans for Liberty, um, getting people on the ballot has said that his, um, his uh, uh, I, I, whatever the rate is of people who answer the door is through the roof. And people are not generally upset with him. Now, I don't think that's something I want to do, but but like it's interesting that he, you know, people are opening the door and just saying, "Yeah, listen," and they're listening to him. Where am I going to go? Sure, yeah. talk. Yeah, exactly. So um, maybe they're just glad you're not peddling a religion. Yeah, that's not that's <laughs> not to say it's not it's not a good. Uh, that's not to say it's a good idea because you don't want, especially with petitioning, you don't want to go door to door. Have everybody touching the same pens, mm-hmm. the same pieces of paper, the same clipboards, and talking back like you know, one of those people has something, you're going to give it to everybody, right? So um, it's a bad idea. Um, the Secretary of State has acknowledged that it's a bad idea, and they have extended the um, the the number of days that we we can petition by 31 days. No reduction in <clears throat> signatures required, just an extension of 31 days. Um, they, the law says that they could give up to 45 days, but they can only give 31 because they have to finalize the ballots. Mm. They have to get them 
whatever, whatever they have to do to get them, like, there's like a deadline before they can get it in the computer or something, mm-hmm. which is sort of BS because it's not that hard to, you know, it's just data entry. It's not that hard. I mean, I don't have any experience with this, but it's a form, right? I have experience building forms. Right. Yeah. I guess the point is you set this absurdly high requirement. Yeah. You could make your own life easier as well as ours. Right. So what I'm thinking, though, is that this is not going to pass over in 31 days. We're already probably like 16 or 17 days into the you should stay home and not petition mm. mode, you know? Yeah. And and it seems like there's kind of no end in sight on that. Right. So you think it's been that long? Yeah, it's two weeks. I mean, two weeks, mm. right? We've been working from home for a week and a half. and Yeah, more like a week, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, for me it was the Thursday before last, I think. Okay. Yeah, so it's it's been a, it's been a while. Um, so I mean, either way, no end in sight. Thirty-one days. Yeah, I, they're I, saying I'm, end of April for sure. I'm I'm confident we'll hit thirty-one days of don't go petition, mm-hmm. and um, so they're cutting more than thirty-one days out, likely, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not. Uh, cutting down the amount of signatures or anything right. like that. So we sent a letter to the Secretary of State requesting that they waive just all signature requirements for everybody who qualified, mm-hmm. which is not a huge number of people. It's not like they would expect to do that and then get this, like, you know, torrential downpour of, yeah, of candidates. become a jungle-style election at this point, <clears throat> right. even if you drop the requirement altogether, because people had to have been qualified already. Right. We, I mean, we only have one official Libertarian Party of Georgia candidate that is look seeking mm-hmm. um, to get on the ballot through petitioning. So we love you, Martin. Yeah, exactly, Martin. Love Cowan. Martin Cowan in District Thirteen. Yeah. Like so. So the thing is, is we don't even have a lot of. I mean, and, and you know, we don't have a lot of what, it, what. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but. There's not there's skin not, in the game. not a lot of skin in the game on this one, but it's right. the right thing to do, right? There's a lot of independent right. candidates there's who are seeking. Of, there's a lot of skin in the game in terms of getting them to admit the, that the requirements are arbitrary. It's true. <clears throat> so like we've seen with lots of other kinds of regulation during this crisis, if you're willing to waive it under these specific circumstances, can you acknowledge it's causing problems for people all of the rest of the time? Yeah. So we are, um, we're going to fight that. I don't know what that exactly looks like. Um, it may look like another lawsuit. It may, uh, you know, we're not sure yet, but whatever we do, we're going to be fighting for all political body and independent candidates um, across the board. There is a Green Party candidate seeking um, to, to get on the ballot as a, um, a U.S. House representative as well. And there's plenty of independent candidates for state house and um, state Senate across the board. So... Um, in bad news, um, we actually had Danny Dolan, who was running for, um, school, (laughs) sorry, board of ed, he was running for board of education. Um, he had to step down, uh, is basically he's prioritizing his family in in this crisis, which Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense. Um, we knew that, that people would not be able to put in the efforts that they'd like to on this. And so Danny, um, decided that he was going to prioritize his personal life, you know, over this, which is totally uh, understandable. We get that. Yeah, totally understandable. That is maybe the most libertarian approach there is. Like, go handle your own business. 
Yeah, he, I mean, he. So you're not reliant on someone else. His uh, his his post to Facebook announcing this was was great because he was talking about how he needs to focus on homeschooling his little girls, which was you know is is just dead on. He's 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 prioritizing the education of his of his children right. over being board of education for a county. Right. <clears throat> which well, is the wrong over way to be. Collecting signatures that in too. order to be on the board of ed. You know, it, it's not as though he won the position and then decided to educate his own kids. It's It was a tough race anyway. Yeah. So we're happy he jumped in the race. We totally understand why he jumped out of the race. And uh, looking forward to everything Danny has to offer. Yeah, we'll set you up with another office in the future. Don't you worry. That's right. We'll see Danny again. He's also vowed not to um, stop holding them accountable by... Paying attention to the meetings, spreading what goes on in the meetings, and, and all that. So, if you follow the, um, there's a there's a Facebook group for the Libertarian Party of Fayette, Coweta County, and uh, he does a weekly update of everything that's going on in the county commission and the county board of education, and it's awesome. Yeah, I think he is a force to be reckoned with in that part of the state. Absolutely. So, on to the mainstream news. Uh, that's all I have for LP Georgia. Did you have anything else? No. Okay. Um, in the mainstream news, so last week, um, the Georgia state legislature had the very first um, person who tested positive for coronavirus, Senator Brandon Beach. Um, he had symptoms since March 10th, continued coming in, mm-hmm. and then had a test over the weekend. And before he knew the results of that test, came in for the special session to vote on the emergency powers right. for the governor. Exposing absolutely everyone. Every single person there. And um, a back. little bit Georgia's fault for saying we think people shouldn't gather in large places and in order to make that known to the people, we will gather in a large group. Um, so, so I will say, um, not to his credit, senators and representatives skip votes all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think this is one you don't want to have been caught skipping. Yeah, uh, I think he'd have a, had a pretty election. good excuse. Yep. He wasn't one hundred percent sure if he had that excuse at the time, but right. but um, pretty pretty good excuse. Um, so as a result, every single member of Georgia's legislature has been asked to self quarantine for fourteen days. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what's happening right now to all those people who thought they were going to have a couple of weeks off. Uh, they are now just stuck in their homes, I suppose, like the rest of us, but but a little bit more harsh. Yeah, <clears throat> at best they'll temporarily be rendered harmless, right? While they are unable to meet. Yeah. So um, the next thing on the list here was um, GOP county conventions were this weekend. It's an interesting thing. They um, So they have to have their county conventions where they elect their delegates to their state convention, where they elect their delegates to their national convention, and so on and so forth. Um, they don't have any kind of way around that. And so they are forced to have it, but... No one is showing up because people are self-quarantining or practicing social dis- distancing. And the Georgia G- GOP chairman, David Schaefer, literally asked people not to attend. Mm. So they're saying, this is the only way that you can have a voice in our convention, but like also don't show up. Right. I wish I were more shocked. I, I just don't know where I stand on this because like I probably wouldn't have gone to that convention. Right. But also... 
Like, how can you ask people not to show up and have a voice? And mm-hmm. that's where grassroots activists have power in the GOP. It's yeah. the literally the only place they have power. And the grassroots activists generally, um, when I talk to them, there's there's a lot of them that are on our side. Mm-hmm. It's it, it is a lot of the establishment. They're trying to pull the rank and file of the party toward a more libertarian perspective. At least that's what gets told to us. I'm sure there are plenty of things we disagree on that they're less eager to tell us about their activities. Well, it was the grassroots people who were into Ron Paul during that, that whole fiasco, right? It's like a a reason not to be part of the GOP was how the grassroots activists got kind of thrown under the bus, you know, they got screwed over. Yeah, it was an early version of what happened with Sanders. Exactly. I mean, it's just, it's all, it's You have a populist uprising. Well, we can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was pretty interesting um, that that they're, you know, being asked not to attend. Um, In in sort of bigger news, um, Kelly Loeffler and to some extent, and it seemed a lot lesser, David Perdue, uh, were accused of insider trading in the last week. So um, they attended a briefing on coronavirus uh, well before it was considered a pandemic or, you know, we were worried that it was coming here as a public. Right. It was mainly in China and Wuhan province still. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We just, it was sort of starting to percolate up. Um, but immediately after that meeting, Kelly Loeffler at least uh, sold off $3.1 million in stock and then bought a boatload more in a teleconference company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, right? Yeah, I don't know. Is that a personal <clears throat> control thing? Or is it in a trust through a brokerage? Yeah, so her defense is that she has zero control over it and that it's a third party. So, um, right. yeah, her and her husband. Her husband actually is a owner of, what, well, co-owner of, of ICE, uh, the Intercontinental Exchange, which is the which is the the company who owns the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah. So so um, I don't think he's allowed to actually trade on the New York Stock Exchange either. Right. Like I, I think he's not allowed to at all. Like right. Yeah. There's no way you don't have insider information in order to do your job. Yeah. Pretty giant conflict of interest. Yeah. So um, I, that's her defense. Um. She did she did post something that I thought was pretty suspect. Her her proof, her quote unquote proof that she had nothing to do with it was a line on some form that was not clear what the form really was that said she was notified up that the trade executed on this date, which was well after mm-hmm. or whatever. Um to me, I'm like, well, she still could have instructed them to make the sale and the purchase and then be notified of the execution of such an act. Sure. Well, after the fact. So I was like, well, that's not proof at all. Like, I get. Even if it's documented, it's not going to end up mattering. This is business as usual that has been brought to people's attention because it's an acute thing that happened within like a two week period. Yeah. But it is not unusual for people who have that kind of power or information to use it and, and expect to not be questioned about it. Yeah, and and I think it's pretty interesting because um, we were criticized on Facebook quite a bit about you know this is a free market. What do you do? You want regulation on this? And my answer 
is, no, I don't want regulation on it. I think she's allowed to do that. But I also think that I'm allowed to criticize it. I don't think it's moral. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it's fair for us to criticize. And if to you criticize. pass laws, you should be subject to them. Well, well absolutely. And, <laughs> and it is against the law. People, people say that they are exempt from the insider trading laws, but there's the Stock Act of 2000-some-odd year, um, which was passed to, to close that loophole, essentially. So they are, in, in fact... Um, accountable to insider trading laws um regardless like morality and legality should not be conflated Mm. and i find that happens so often in libertarian circles and they shouldn't be you know like i have freedom of speech i can say whatever i want but that doesn't mean that i get to say something that's morally reprehensible and nobody gets to say something about Mm. it that's you know what i mean yeah, you're exempt from coercion by government to shut you up. You're not exempt from the consequences of your speech or actions. Right. And we in, in this case, we have this great way of, um, of fighting back on this and letting her know our displeasure. And that would be by voting for Brian Slowinski <laughs> for Senate. We will move on um, to yet more coronavirus news. National Tax Day has moved to July 15th. Uh, but the Georgia tax day has not moved yet. So um, there's this interesting thing where our um, fiscal budgetary year starts in July, which is where they want to move this. And because tax day falls on a certain day, they, they basically, in Georgia, they collect about 20% of the income tax in March and April when people are filing their taxes and sure. getting things right. Mm-hmm. So there's this massive budgetary windfall on revenue where right. if they move it back, they're kind of screwed. And so they're they're sort of like, well, I don't know if we can move it. And I don't know if we can have this budget that we passed because they passed a budget that's I think runs through July. Um, and so there's this massive problem. Yeah. Spending more than you take in will cause that kind of problem with even the slightest hiccup. In money coming in. I have very limited sympathy for this. I mean, right? Like, you would think that... I mean, the problem with the the national budget is that we were already over a trillion dollars in debt. Or uh, not a trillion dollars in debt. We were uh, were running a trillion dollar deficit. So we were a trillion dollar in debt every year. Right. (laughs) Um, And now they're like, well, well, now we have to spend this money. And so we've we've been fighting this. And even the... Even Keynesian theory says that you do it in the downturn. You don't do it while everything is gravy, right? Everything's good. You're not supposed to spend. Yeah, we were supposed to have been cutting back while the economy was strong. Yeah, and they just kept on pouring money. I mean, that into the same. That's what Keynes said, right? It's like hole. when it's down, you spend. Right. <laughs> right. So. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard to um like to your point, it's hard to feel bad for it, but also like this is going to impact our lives, and so we sure. you know we need to fight back somehow. I just don't a hundred percent know how, right? I mean, these people are just yeah, they have far too much control and far too little accountability, and I think the sense of helplessness and the fact that it's all beyond us is intentional and is cultivated. Yeah, and that doesn't necessarily make it. Untrue. Yeah. Um, and, and to put this in context a little bit, um, 
Georgia has a rainy day fund, and people were talking about digging into this before the crisis hit, and um, they were talking about hitting it to to decrease our income tax or to um, pay teachers more, some of the things that they wanted to get done. Uh, Brian Kemp wanted to cut the budget right before this happened, and he got a lot of pushback on that, and people were saying, well, why don't you just use this rainy day fund? Well, one, because it's not a rainy day. Arguably, now it is a rainy day. This is Um, the sort of thing you were supposed to be saving for. So the rainy day fund is two point seven, about two point seven billion dollars, a little less than that. But to put it into perspective, if we couldn't generate any revenue for a month, the rainy day fund would fund the government for that month, Mm. and then it'd be done. So anything extra, you would have to pull in more revenue to pay for. So we're we're good for a month on zero revenue, but anything past that. And it's not just going to be delays in people paying their regular taxes. We're going to lose a lot of small businesses. Yep. We're going to lose a, a large amount of sales tax revenue during all of this. Um, whether we whether Georgia joins the ranks of the shelter in place states or not, um, we are going to see a serious crater in tax revenue that's being generated by all sorts of different segments of the economy. Yeah. And so it's not like you could push it back from a month to six weeks and then be okay. Yep. It's going to get a lot worse. Well, unfortunately we're just going to end up with an even more out of balance budget. It's not clear to me at all that there will be any kind of, contraction in the scope of government or any kind of attempt to seriously cut spending to match the revenue that we're losing. Nothing like that. Oh, uh, well, the, on the federal level, our, our um, bailout, essentially, the, the, the bill that they're trying to pass to, to fight coronavirus um, is now, surpa- uh, I think, surpassed $2 trillion, mm-hmm. which is on top of the $1 trillion deficit, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. So now we'd be in a three, $3 trillion deficit. Yep. Um, Some of that, you can argue, is staving off the inevitable, right? If you are funding emergency loans for small businesses, you might overall actually save yourself some money, but we won't have anywhere near the precision mm-hmm. of data to know what's efficient or effective and what's not. It's a scattershot approach. They were trying everything so that they've tried something. Well, that's the point, right? Is that they just want to say that they've done something. Hmm. It doesn't matter what it is and if it'll work. How effective, yeah. What the outcomes are to the economy. Any unintended consequences. We haven't even begun to examine those. So the good news in in Georgia is that we actually require constitutionally a, a balanced budget and the revenue figure for that side of the equation comes directly from the governor. Hmm. So they've talked about changing that, but as of yet, that's what it is. And, and kudos to governor Kemp. His, it seems like his strategy has been to be a little bit more, um, lowercase C conservative in those revenue numbers, right? So yeah. theoretically you could have a Democrat in office and you could give them, here's the projected revenue is $10, let's just say, cause it doesn't make sure. any sense. 
And what they would do is say, okay, the projected revenue is $20. $20. Instead, they just double it because that's what they, you know, well, that's, that's what they believe in. There's and, a number of, of assumptions that go into the calculation of that number that you can fudge a bit to make sure it turns out the way that's politically expedient for you. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. You can balance a budget. But, but yeah, you could just make up, you could say, here's what the revenue is expected to be. And I'll just plus five that or whatever. You know what I mean? You could just, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not affirming that. I don't, I don't really understand the process well enough to know how true that is. They give them a number and then the house approves a budget based on that number for expenditures essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I would hope there's some sort of oversight in the system to uh, prevent it being inflated at the end. I believe it could be inflated pretty easily while it's being calculated, but just to have somebody tack on later, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there is. I, I'm pretty sure that's the checks and balances in the Georgia system is that the governor has the power to basically determine revenue numbers, and then the House just has to work with it. Hmm. Um, so interesting stuff going on at the local level too. Athens has their, um, 24 seven voluntary curfew or something. Yeah. Uh, 24 seven curfew, which is not a curfew. That's just not what that means. Right. Uh, and, and they have all kinds of exceptions, which is, uh, which basically makes no exception. And they've even said that they're not going to prosecute any individuals for anything to do with it. Right. So it's just like this whole it's bunch It's a mandatory of, advisory. Yeah, I don't... Words mean things! I just, yeah, it's it's <laughs> really confusing what they're doing down there. It's like they want to be hardline, and then there's certain people maybe blocking them. I don't know what it is. No, I think there is a reasonable question that they are getting of like, well, okay, that's what you advise. What are you going to do if people don't do that? And they say, well, we don't really know. What they're certainly <clears throat> not as willing to do is to take custody of someone and put them in a government facility and say, we take responsibility for your health and welfare while you're in this institution. Right. Right. So um, one of the positives, one of the silver linings we're really seeing here is a shift in criminal justice reform where prosecutors and police have more skin in the game than they have previously. Um, they are really having to consider whether it's necessary to keep someone in a jail facility for a certain length of time or before they're convicted. There's there's a much um, a slightly more even distribution of the risk of keeping right. someone in jail. So we're starting to see reforms already, and ICE is <clears throat> letting people out of certain detention facilities. Um, I know the, one of the more aggressive um, release programs has been up in. Massachusetts, that you know, we—if you're not a har- a risk to the public, we would like you to not be here. Yeah, packed into a detention facility. Well, where- and, and our friend Catherine Bernard, uh, as she so aptly pointed out on Facebook, as she so aptly points out many many things, um, isn't this the point of jails in the first place? Was if you're not a threat to the yeah. public, then maybe you should just be not in a cage. Right. Right. Uh, Cato did some pretty brilliant coverage, too. Um, I think they covered it as shifting priorities of the courts. Um, but <clears throat> yeah. what it takes to put people in a room and adjudicate something, what it takes to um, process someone into a government facility, all of these things are suddenly much riskier for people who aren't defendants. 
And so we're willing to reconsider how necessary this has been all along. Right. So let's hope some of that sticks. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, so not only is Athens putting in some um, municipal level uh, rules, but Atlanta has also put um, Mayor Keisha Bottoms has signed some executive orders that are pretty interesting. Um, that she's banned all in-person dining, closed bars, closed all the gyms uh, in Atlanta. Carryout is still allowed, and where um, she she immediately tweeted out when she was tweeting those out, those things out, she didn't understand exactly how she might be able to allow you to carry out alcohol. Mm. Uh, and apparently, she got lots of feedback on that and found a way right. based on the feedback. So she crowdsourced her legal uh, opinion. I appreciate that, which yeah. is cool. Here's a thing I want to be able to do. <clears throat> Where is my authority to do that? Yeah. Now that scares the crap out of me for whatever the next thing is that I don't agree with. Absolutely. How are we going to find this semi-legal authority and argue it properly? That could backfire a lot. But in this case, we'll take it. Yeah. It's one of those things that's interesting, though, is like, why are we so worried about carrying out alcohol right now i mean i understand why we are and why it's so safe to do now and it wasn't safe a month ago right it doesn't make any sense that it was safe that it wasn't safe a month ago but now we're we're good two people like us who err on the side of individual liberty it didn't make sense but you can certainly see how people who don't hold that as their top political priority could uh, prioritize some other aspect, you know, public safety or whatever they think they're promoting with this, and then see now circumstances have changed. It's no longer worth it in that calculus. But that's sort of the point of a principle is it doesn't really matter what the calculus is. Right. We have to default to, are you harming someone? No, fine. But you, so uh, there was a, obviously a prioritization here because it was a day later and she crowdsourced it. She brought it up at the time. This is was a priority, yeah. And so it feels awfully weird that it wasn't a you know that it. We have uh, a lot more new distribution venues in Georgia. That's and true. If you want any of them to survive, you've got true. to give them a way to do business. Yeah. So they've been gradually lightening up some of these more backward blue laws. Um, yeah. And we're getting some local production in Georgia. Um, and maybe that upward pressure yeah. has has um, you know equated to whatever this pressure was during during this thing that's happening. Right. Yeah. So that's good. Um, they also, in, in order to um, facilitate carry out being allowed, they have suspended the towing and booting of vehicles in public right of ways. So if you're parked out front of the place where you're getting carry out, essentially, they're like, "Hey, we're not going to get you." Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> There's a lot of lot less traffic. Fewer people going to work, going to businesses. Like that that's one where it's easy to see where the calculus shifted. Right. Yeah. That the, the, created a major problem at rush hour yeah. in a commercial district that it doesn't necessarily now. Have you seen some of the pictures around town during rush hour? I haven't been out. But have you seen some of the pictures? Yeah, I think you know. As is always the case with local news, whatever's the most unusual gets the coverage. I think there are lots of places, lots of routes, lots of times of day where it doesn't look a lot different. And then 
You yeah. Know, in Buckhead at five o'clock on a Friday, it is desolate. And that's weird enough for people to take pictures and share them. Well, it's like the connector being empty. But I think you you uh, recently went and got Steak and Shake for, for us and uh, said that the dining room was open. Yeah. It was outside. It was Atlanta. outside outside the perimeter. Yeah. But not far. Yeah. You know, maybe 10 miles south of the airport. And it was pretty much business as usual out there. Most things were open, including dine-in. Whether that turns out to have been a colossal oversight that will prove <clears throat> itself in the social experiment, you know, I'm interested in the data that we're going to get. Yeah. But somebody was pointing out to me today, you know, oh yeah, you can take all the risks you want out there in the country, but you don't have any ICU beds. That's fair. Yeah. You are using our hospitals. Because of government regulation that has blocked them from opening more, you know, urgent care centers and medical facilities. More Georgia counties than not do not have urgent care centers of their own. Yeah. So it it is a little bit our problem. I sort of, um, I, not to criticize you, but the, the metric of like what counties have, what Mm. is one that I don't particularly like because we have far too many counties as it is. And it's more about, it's really an absurd number of counties. um, Yeah. And I come from a a Commonwealth that like divided by township and it still seems absurd. I I would care more about density and per person. How many do we have in specific areas or anything like that? Like that's more interesting. Except that the regulation is by county. Exactly. No, and that's and that's what that's what it, it's it's all backwards because our reporting is all backwards and um, the people who are in charge of it because we have certificate of need laws that are countywide. None of that makes any sense based on you know what people are experiencing, and um, I think you know what the 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 thing that we're experiencing right now is sort of highlighting a lot of those problems that we have. Oh, yeah. Healthcare. I think no matter who you think you are or what you support, everything is ratcheted up in terms of stakes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think that universal healthcare is essential, there's never been a better illustration of that. If you think paid family leave is essential, there's never been a better illustration of that. Right. You know, it, it has a tendency to... <clears throat> not challenge our issue biases, but but make it feel like suddenly everyone should be able to see the way I see it because here it is in sharp relief. And it just doesn't function that way for people. Yeah. And, you know, people who are afraid don't change their minds. That's true. They don't have the spare brain power, right? If you challenge something they hold too dear... Um, that discomfort is going to cause them to smack back. But can they not, like, okay, I know, I'm preaching the choir here, but can you not look at Italy, who has essentially single-payer health care, they have nationalized health care, and they have essentially made the choice to not treat people who are high risk for coronavirus. That's why they've spiked. The, it's, a triage, like, okay. it's a triage situation. I, I, I'm, I'm aware. That is not a way to prove whether your system works or not is in its extremity. But when they make blanket statements like that, I mean, that, that well, people has should to be... do less of that. Everyone. Well, but they do. <laughs> but that's the nature of central planning. You make blanket statements, which is the problem, right? right. You don't have the ability to use a scalpel. You, you're using scattershot. You're making a decision for the whole, the whole shebang. All right. I think that's enough.
So we um, we don't have any legislation this week because there's no they're all in lockdown. They're all in lockdown. Um, so there's not a lot of news there. There's not any news on um, any of our meetings. Um, from what I understand, all of our affiliates, from what I understand, all of our affiliates have um, canceled their meetings. And uh, there might be some situations where they do some um, virtual meetings, but so far I don't know the details on any of that. So we don't have any meeting updates either. Um, did you have anything the else? The future of the Libertarian Party is now in your living room. So do with that what you will. <clears throat> yeah, we, we do a lot of... Vir- I mean, our, our XCOM meeting is all virtual, so we're, we're doing that. I'm, I'm taking and by this- virtual, we mean phone line it's a phone line yeah I'm, I'm and i'm taking this time to organize a little bit better and and get people ramped up it feels like a, a pause button mm-hmm. so that we can actually get some infrastructure built up a little bit right it's like this never-ending moving target that you can never quite catch up to and i feel like this is like that target got paused and we can like zoom right up close to it yeah. we're probably not gonna hit it but we can get somewhere sure so that's what i'm trying to take this opportunity to do is get some volunteers engaged and um you know get organized a little bit better for when this is over so so don't touch your face don't touch your stocks be kind to each other out there email us at podcast at lpgeorgia.com if you have anything uh that you want us to talk about and leave reviews or rate us Rate us first. You don't have to leave a review. Don't care about that. Um, I mean, I will care if it's constructive. uh, And I love hearing nice things. But rate us. Yeah, just say they made me do this. That's fine. Yep, that's fine. And um, bye, y'all. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin MacLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.